0: Welcome to the podcast for the First United Methodist Church, located in Round Rock, Texas. This week, in our Then Sings My Soul series, Pastor Britton talks to us about God and our relationships. Pastor Britton also reflects on what's the point in our lives, and how we can be instruments of God by living in His image.
1: You know, when you think about nature and all the things we see, the sun, the moon, the stars, the beautiful trees, the flowers, that we can see that God is in that, but I've never seen a sunset in a hospital room holding the hand of a patient saying a prayer. As beautiful as the moon is, I've never seen the moon knock on a door with a casserole to give to a family who's just lost a loved one. And the crystal blue waters of the ocean, as beautiful as that is, I've never seen it serving the poor. We are the instruments of peace. We are the instruments of God's grace. At our best, we we reflect God's image in a way And if you you want to see God, in some ways it can be seen living through us, you and me, in our presence, in what we do and what we say, instruments of peace.
2: Please stand for the reading of the scripture. Psalms 8. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and infants. You have founded Bulwark because of your foe. To silence the enemy and the avengers, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are humans that are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them, yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, and sheep and oxen, and also the best of the fields, the birds in the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: If you'll please remain standing for the entirety of the sermon. I always wanted to say that. You may be seated. You're awesome. True story, one Sunday I preached to the choir, literally. I just had my back to the congregation. I preached to the choir, so that was fun. Let's pray. God, help us to hear a word of hope and grace and love and what you say to us and through us. And today, especially as we focus on what it means to be instruments of your peace and your grace and your love. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. How many of you saw the landing on the moon live? Have a few in here? Had a lot more at the 8.30 that saw it live Uh, here. And I presume at 11, too, but here, uh, me included, I was not born. Uh, I was born in 1973, and so I was not around for the landing. But uh, it's neat looking at the story behind it, the history. Uh, Buzz Aldrin, one of the astronauts, was given permission to take the communion elements up to the moon, and he actually uh, celebrated uh, Holy Communion there. Uh, David Johnson, many of you know one of our pastors Earlier this morning had a good dad joke for that. He said, that communion was out of this world. So I was like, hey, I'm never taking any of his suggestions again. That was bad. <laughs> uh, but think about that. Can you imagine having the sacrament there as you look out from that view? And he read a scripture too, or a portion of it. Anybody know what that was? Psalm 8. So what we just read in that part there in the middle of Psalm 8 when I look at the heavens and the work of your fingers and talks about the moon and the stars and what are humans that you are mindful of them? And everybody at some point in your life asks that question. There's about nearly 8 billion people in the world now they estimate. So think about that a second. 8 billion people. How on earth can God keep up with that many people and that many needs and that many souls? Uh, so that points obviously to God is so far beyond our comprehension that, that even to begin to try to understand is, is futile. Uh, that's where, where faith comes in. Think about it. There's estimated over 100 billion people have lived in the history of, of the world. Over 100 billion. So about 7 to 8% roughly right now of all the humans who've ever lived or living right now. And that includes you and me. And you can look up at night, see the moon and the stars, the Big Dipper. And what you're seeing there is what Jesus himself saw as a human on earth when he came to live among us. It's just really humbling. Um, We have a tree out here. Actually, some very big trees out here. uh, And there's one right behind you here, it's called the Council Oak. Anybody ever see that tree coming in here? I hope so, it's large and uh, when when people are new to the church and I'm walking them around and just talking about our campus and what we have going on, they'll often ask, how old is that tree? And then I just make something up at that point, because you know, it was planted 10 years ago, it's amazing how it's grown. No, it's hundreds of years old. And just walking out and looking at that tree, we we think, how many people have sat under that tree who've come and gone? Very humbling. And so on the one hand, we're humbled by that. But then on the other, we realize that the God that created all of this created you and me and is in relationship with us. That is remarkable. But who hasn't asked the question, what is the point of my life? What am I supposed to do? Well, there was a guy named Francis who asked that question several hundred years ago. Francis uh, was born in 1181, 1182 in Assisi, Italy. And his mother actually named him Giovanni, that was his original name for John the Baptist. Well, his name got changed because his father, who was a cloth merchant, very wealthy, was away for months while she was pregnant, uh, and then also after the birth. And he arrives back and finds out that the son had been named Giovanni, and he didn't want to have a religious connection to the name, so he just changed the name. Can you imagine being his wife? You're gone on business during most of my pregnancy. I just gave birth, and now you're going to come in here and change the name." And well, he did, Francesca, uh, meaning Frenchman. And so Francis became his new name. And by all accounts, he had it made. His father and family were uh, wealthy, uh, anything he wanted, whatever he wanted to do, and and that's how he lived the first part of his life. He was one that uh, could go anywhere, do anything, very popular. A lot of charisma. And then something happened. In 1202, there was a civil war between Assisi and the neighboring town. And Francis was taken captive and put in a dungeon for a year. They had a ransom on him. So imagine being in a dungeon for a year, mostly by yourself. And his ransom was paid, and he was released from the dungeon. And then he began to really reflect on life. I think a year in a dungeon will do that to a person, right? I mean, what's the point? And as he began to reflect, he, he wound up walking through this church in the countryside. It was half ruined. Uh, he walks inside the church, and there's a crucifix on the wall. And he had this experience of Christ through that crucifix, saying to him, Francis, rebuild my church. And he wasn't just talking about building, building. He was talking about rebuild my church. So much corruption and not following along with what Christ intentionally called us to be. And and so that was a defining moment in his life. So he decided to take some of his father's uh, clothing, And Sell it to help rebuild the church and part of this rebuilding was to fix churches like that that was half-ruined So how do you think his dad reacted when he found out he took some of his merchandise and sold it? to help rebuild the church Didn't go over well in fact. It was so bad that his dad had him Paraded in the town in front of all the townspeople to take account for what he had done. Can you imagine? Well, at that point, Francis decided, you know what, I'm done. See ya. He takes off his clothes, literally, took them all off, and he put on these beggar clothes and garments. He renounced his father publicly and said, our father, speaking of God, is who I will serve. And then he just took off on his own. Didn't have a job, didn't have really a support network. He just took off. And his sole purpose at that point was to minister to the poor and to share with them the gospel, hands-on ministry with the poor. Well, he has an experience here. He, He began to encounter lepers. Now, prior to this, Francis was really afraid of lepers, and the belief was if you get anywhere near a leper, you would contract the disease and And they were put in these leper colonies, just stay away. And he would actually hold his nose like this when he got within two miles of a leper. So, you want me to talk like, you want me to try it, see what it sounds like? Hello? Can you imagine? Well, suddenly things changed, and he had this encounter with a leper where he not only came up and interacted with him, he hugged him. He began to help him with his wounds, that, to him, was everybody needs God's grace. And even if it means I'm suffering myself, then that's what we're called to do. So the next step for him was to go before the Pope because he needed permission to go out and do all this. And people began to follow him. So, So he goes up to see Pope, Pope Innocent III, one of the most powerful popes in medieval time period. In fact, the Pope was so powerful that the kings of Europe reported to him. So think about that a second. And here comes this beggar in beggar's clothes, barefoot, in to see the Pope. This grand, majestic building with marble and all these things. In fact, a few of the cardinals tried to prevent him from coming in like, this is ridiculous, the Pope's not going to see you. Well, sure enough, he actually got an audience with the Pope, and a miracle of miracles, the Pope gave him his blessing to go and form this order, Franciscan. And their sole purpose was to go out and to minister to the poor and share the gospel of Christ. And the movement began to grow. People just began to follow. There's one story about him... He was preaching one day in the fields, and he was kind of frustrated at the lack of response from the human beings. so he started to preach to the birds. There were these birds flying around, and he just stopped everything and began to preach to the birds. Can you imagine what that would would be like, preaching to birds? First sermon I ever preached was in the late 90s, and at that time I had a manuscript, and, and I didn't want to get up and read the manuscript when I preached, so I would... I would practice, all right, you look down for a little bit, look up, and it's important to have eye contact and continuity with the congregation. So I was at home alone that afternoon. We had a dog named Heidi, and I said, I'll just go in the backyard and practice preaching the sermon with Heidi. She has eyes. I can make eye contact with Heidi, the dog, so how stupid. But anyway, I'll continue the story. So I go in the backyard and I begin, and about two minutes into the sermon, Heidi's eyes are glazed over. (laughs) Halfway through the sermon, she's on her back with all fours up, just surrendering. (laughs) I give up, this is horrible. And then towards the end of the sermon, I was reading part of the text. It was from Romans eight thirty-one to 39, that great passage is, no, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, and nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I'm really into it at this point. Heidi's on her back, all fours up. I'm pre- still preaching, trying to make eye contact with a dog that's eyes are closed, which, by the way, was good training for future. Anyway, <laughs> how do you keep preaching when they've checked out? You've got to keep going. And it was at that moment, we have a chain-link fence in the backyard that our neighbors walk by. I'm preaching to the dog. I never saw them walk that way ever again. <laughs> well, Francis preaches to the birds, and the legend has it, the birds all quieted down and listened. So uh, he gets this reputation as one who has a special connection with with animals. In fact, in the earliest medieval paintings, they'll have a a, a painting of St. Francis, and then you'll have these birds in the painting, and they're usually crows, and those were considered nasty birds, and so they represented uh, the poor, those that no one wants to be with, the outcast, yet Francis here is among them. You know, it's a remarkable story, his life. He goes along and the order grows. There's more and more people following. But then in the order, people begin to say, well, what if we change this or that? Do we, do we really have to go out without anything and to beg? And, and they begin to fade away. And towards the end of his life, he just had a few friends. So started off this wonderful movement, just a few friends at the end. His, his eyesight was gone. He was in poor health. And in 1225, he wrote a, a poem. It's called Canticle of the Sun. And, and we sang part of that earlier when we sang the All Creatures of Our God and King. It's, it's based on that poem that St. Francis wrote, which I'll read in a minute. William Draper actually put it to music and put it in the form we have it today in the in the early 1900s. In fact, when he was near death, he he actually sang that near death. The prayer that we will share in a little bit too, and we shared earlier, Make Me an Instrument of Thy Peace, uh, that prayer was written in honor of St. Francis, and that was... In the early 1900s as well, in fact, World War I and World War two, it was a very common prayer that was prayed, and you can see uh, how obvious that would be make me an instrument so, you know when you think about nature and all the things we see that can connect us with God, you know the sun, the moon, the stars, the beautiful trees, the flowers the and and God really is present in that I think that that, that we can see that God is in that, but, but I've never seen a sunset in a hospital room holding the hand of a patient saying a prayer. As beautiful as the moon is, I've never seen the moon knock on a door with a casserole to give to a family who's just lost a loved one. And the crystal blue waters of the ocean... As beautiful as that is, I've never seen it, serving the poor. Psalm 8 talked about how all of God's creation is interconnected, and that means you and I. And so we are the instruments of peace. We are the instruments of God's grace. In fact, Psalm 8 said we're just a little lower than God. At our best, we, we reflect God's image in a way. And if you, if you want to see God, in some ways it can be seen living through us, you and me. Years ago, story of a pastor that did this VBS, had third grade group this one particular year. And you'll know this is a long time ago when, you, when I describe what he did. Uh, they were out near the woods, and he sent them all off into the woods on their own. Can you imagine today? Uh, and the, the, the task was to bring something back from the woods that reminds you of God. And so he sends them out. The first person comes back with a flower and says, this reminds me of the beauty of God and creation. He said, great, wonderful. Another one came back with a rock and said, what does that remind you of God? said, well, that that God is our foundation, sturdy, wonderful. Another kid came back with some fruit. Said it reminds him that God provides for us and even the animals. Then there was this last kid that came in, and he was kind of the troublemaker in the group, you know. Well, He came back and lo and behold, you know what he brought back from the forest? Holding her hand, his sister who was in kindergarten. He he brings her back. He said, how does this remind you of said, well, she does. You and I... Through God's grace and the Holy Spirit, do you know we can actually reflect God's image in our presence, in what we do and what we say? Instruments of peace. I had a friend that's he's much older now, but he was telling me about the time that he had to receive a heart transplant. And the donor of this heart died tragically in younger age and had donated organs, including the heart. My friend received this heart, and some months after receiving it, was was doing well. And he received a phone call from the mother of the gentleman that passed away. And she had a simple request. She said, could I just meet with you so that I could put my hand on your chest to feel the heartbeat of my son? He said, absolutely. So they met, and he actually brought a stethoscope for her. And she put the stethoscope up to the, to the heart, and she could hear and feel the heart that was developed inside of her beating through this wonderful man that somehow some way her son was living through him if we were to put the stethoscope of god on our hearts our souls what would people hear Would they experience an instrument of peace? I love this prayer that's dedicated to St. Francis. It says, make me an instrument of thy peace. It doesn't say, make them. We have way too much of that in our society. I think Jesus put it well. Remember that Sermon on the Mount? He was talking about, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but not the log sticking out of your own? It doesn't say, make them what I think they should be, even though I'm not that. It says, make me an instrument. What can I do in my life to be an instrument of peace and grace? What can I do in my family? What can I do in my workplace? What can I do in my social settings? What can I do in service To those of greatest need, make me an instrument of thy peace. And so, here's the canticle of the sun. I wanted to share it with you. This is the the poem that St. Francis wrote, and then I'll close with the, the prayer. Most high, all-powerful, good Lord, yours are the praises, the glory, the honor, and the blessing. To you alone, most high, do they belong, and no man is worthy to mention your name. Be praised, my Lord, through all your creatures, especially through my Lord, brother, son, who brings the day, and you give light through him. And he is beautiful and radiant in all his splendor. Of you, most high, he bears the likeness. Praise be you my Lord through sister moon and the stars and heaven you form them clear and precious and beautiful Praise be you my Lord through brother wind and through the air cloudy and serene and every kind of weather through which you give sustenance to your creatures Praise be you my Lord through sister water which is very useful and humble and precious Praise be you my Lord through brother fire through whom you light the night and he is beautiful and playful and robust and strong. Praise be you my Lord through sister mother earth who sustains us and governs us and who produces varied fruits with colorful flowers and herbs. Praise be you my Lord through those who give pardon for your love and bear infirmity and tribulation. Blessed are those who endure in peace, for by you, Most High, they shall be crowned. Praise be you, my Lord, through our sister bodily death, from whom no living person can escape. Woe to those who die in mortal sin, and blessed are those who will find your most holy will, for the second death shall do them no harm. Praise and bless my Lord, and give him thanks, and serve him with great humility. And so we sang a good part of that earlier. And the most amazing thing, I think, about his story is that he showed up as a beggar to the Pope, dies with just a few friends, and a couple of years after his death, he is made a saint. And construction began on this beautiful basilica in his honor, in Assisi. An absolutely incredible testament to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as I pray this prayer, make it yours because it really doesn't count if you're thinking about somebody else with this one. So make it yours and I'll make it mine. Let's pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and
0: it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermons podcast recorded at First United Methodist Church in Round Rock. My name is Justin Anderson, and I am the audiovisual director here at the church. Thank you so much for listening. We have decided to connect this podcast to our community outreach programs where you will hear a little bit about how our congregation is having an impact out in the community. Right now, we are in the middle of our Then Sings My Soul sermon series, and we are connecting it with our Sleep in Heavenly Peace partnership. If you haven't heard of Sleep in Heavenly Peace before, they are an organization dedicated to making sure that every child sleeps in a warm bed. Our congregation has partnered with them before by raising money and organizing hands-on bed builds as well as delivery to their final destinations. This year's bed build will be done by the students of D-Now, but if you would like to donate to their cause, you can find all the information on our website, www.fumc-rr.org. Thank you so much for your support in this community, and we look forward to walking with you in whatever ways you may need. You can always reach out at info at FUMC-RR.org, where we look forward to hearing